Uh, my name is uh, Jonathan Robinson, and this is my amazing wife, Heather Robinson. And we have the privilege to serve in the Cincinnati uh, Church of Christ Young Professionals. Uh, formerly, we were in the Hampton Roads Young Professionals. And so we're really excited to welcome you today. And uh, turn your Bibles over to Matthew 11. We're going to read one verse in verse 11. And it says, Jesus, he's talking to the crowds. He says, truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And obviously, we know that John the Baptist is one of the greater, greatest prophets. But that actually, Jesus says that we are greater than the prophets. And this is something we did in the men's class, and I had everybody say, we are greater than the prophets. And I want you all to say that with me right now. We are greater than the prophets. All the sisters, we are all the men. And together, than the prophets. And I think that's inspiring because all the things that God has called us to do, I think it's important to remember who we are, regardless of our life stage, is that we are all greater than the prophets because Jesus died and had such a reckless love for us. Amen. And so um, in a, a, few, a minute or two, we're going to have Ashley and Logan come up and share the word of God with us to really lead us and guide us. Exciting. Um, I know for Logan, I've known him for a long time. We had an opportunity to, to serve um, on an internship together and talk a lot. And I think one thing he does believe, he believes in this ministry. He believes that we can do amazing things for God. And it's such a privilege to serve alongside him leading the singles ministry. At this time, I'll have my wife share. Good afternoon, singles. Um, it's so exciting just to see all the singles united here from the different regions in Virginia, in Ohio, from uh, Kentucky, from all the different states that you guys have traveled from. Um, when I think about this scripture, it's exciting to think that that's how God sees us, as greater than the prophets. Our mission is greater. And I think, man, how can that be? How can I be greater than a prophet? But it is because the Spirit of God lives in us. And Amen. that is the Spirit that unites us. And I'm so excited to be able to be here with all of you this afternoon. I just wanted to share a little bit about Ashley. I am just getting the opportunity to get to know her now. And she is such an amazing and inspiring young woman. Her faith is so genuine. Her love is genuine. And just hearing about the things that God is doing in her and through her has been an inspiration to me. And I'm confident that as you hear from her and Logan, you guys will be inspired as well. So welcome this afternoon. Uh, at this time, we're going to pray before the message. Uh, uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, just allowing us to be here in the ACR to be able to come together united as a singles ministry, God, to be able to win as many people as we can before you return, God. And we have the greatest opportunity and the greatest time ever, God. More people are single than ever, God. And we just have an opportunity to impact them because we have a message that's greater than the prophets. We are greater than the prophets. And ultimately, we have you who will be with us always. I pray that you'll be with Ashley and Logan as they speak uh, the word of God to us and unite us and inspire us. I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. What's up, y'all? It's great to be with the singles, am I right? Now, I don't know, I can't see you guys, but we had a singles men class earlier, 
and there was like 40 of us. And now all y'all got back from your dates, I guess, and you wanted to hear a lesson from the Word of God, huh? I'm grateful to be with you guys. I'm grateful you guys showed up. I'm grateful we're here with the ACR Singles. My name is Logan Kreider, and I have the honor and privilege of leading, leading aside, leading beside, this incredible woman of God, Ashley Darling. We get to lead the Summit Ministry, which is our singles ministry down in Potomac Valley, which is a made up place. I know you guys all have no idea where it's actually located. Where is the Potomac Valley? No one knows. One day we'll find it. But we're down in Potomac Valley and we're grateful to be with you guys tonight. Hello. Guys, it is so good to be here with you tonight. The ACR conference already has been so incredibly inspiring. It has been humbling and convicting and unifying, and I'm so grateful to be a part of this Fellowship of Churches. This is actually my first ACR conference, so I feel really honored to be able to speak with you guys tonight. Can I hear it from my single sisters? Okay, I'm gonna ask again. I really like doing this, but please scream as loud as you can. Can I hear it from my single sisters? Okay. That was better. Here's one. Amen. We feel a little bit far. I'm gonna come down a little bit closer just because I can't really see you guys and I don't know if you can see me. But we're super grateful to be here. We just got back from Inspire not too long ago. Who was that Inspire? Yo, Inspire was lit. I don't know, it was my first singles conference. I just turned 24 years old yesterday, so I'm fresh and new in the singles ministry. But I had an incredible time worshiping God. The lessons were amazing. Honestly, the thing that was my favorite part was the dance party. The dance party was lit. I honestly wasn't even there, but just hearing about it sounded lit. So I'm just grateful to be with you guys. I don't know, the dance party last night was okay. We, we did all right, but next time we gotta really show up. Am I all right? But I feel like God used the Inspire Conference, and he used it to reignite a fire in the singles ministry. There was about 3,000 people there, and this room is about the size of 3,000. This is about the size of the room that was at Inspire, filled with singles. And it was incredible as we had worship and we had lessons from single people that really represented and said, the singles ministry is here. We're not just some leftover ministry. We're not just some ministry you end up in. But we are here, and we are representing the kingdom of God. And so we're grateful to be able to have some time. We wanted to make it special, have some great worship, have a little slice of the Inspire Conference for those of you who weren't there. But we're grateful to be able to preach to you guys tonight. And what we felt like we wanted to talk about is the idea that it's time to dream now. Am I right? We can't wait any longer. Because I think we've been doing that for a while. If you're in the singles ministry and you've been in the singles ministry for a while, you know what I'm talking about. If you're new in the singles ministry, you probably walked in without an expectation or a dream for right now. Because the singles ministry hasn't thought of itself that way. We thought of ourselves in a lot of ways as a place you're in until you get married. But it's time for the singles to dream now. It's time for God to give us a dream now. And I believe this feeling of waiting in the singles ministry, this period of time where we've kind of been sitting and waiting for someone or something to come along and tell us we can do something. Because I know for me, when I got to the singles, 
there's a feeling of, I, I had an idea, I had dreams kind of sitting around there, but I was waiting for like permission or something. For someone to tell me that I could actually go and do those dreams that were on my heart. And I feel like a lot of us are in that spot of, there's something holding us back from really dreaming right now. And there's a bit of fear in our hearts from going all out, from actually chasing those dreams, and for dreaming big dreams, and believing in God-sized things. And that fear, as we've been leading, we led the, the summit ministry for the past two years, and it's been incredible to watch as God has unleashed that ministry. But a lot of it started with a place of fear. And that fear was sitting in our hearts, choking out our ministry. And I think a lot of singles ministries are sitting in a place where fear is stopping our dreams. And we want to see great things happen. But maybe it feels too impossible or too big to dream. We start to look at what's going on currently. Whether you have a singles ministry of six or 200, you start to look and you see the problems. And that feels overwhelming. I know for us in the Summit ministry, there's tons of problems. We're a bunch of messed up people. We got our Summit shirts, we rep, we rock hard, we come through, but we messed up, y'all. Like, we got some sin in our lives right now. And you can ask any one of them, I'm the most messed up of them all. And I'm out here trying to dream big, but that can easily become our focus, where the fear of the problems in our ministry choke out our dreams. Or maybe you've tried to dream something big. Maybe you had a big dream, but when you tried it, it didn't seem like people were that excited behind the dream. It didn't feel like people were really with you in the dream. And so you stopped dreaming as big, or you stopped dreaming at all. I know it's easy to feel that, that maybe you feel alone in your singles ministry. Or maybe it's just you and one other person. You're like, what's up, what's up with the rest of y'all showing up? Why aren't you dreaming? And I feel like for each of us, we have to sort through our hearts, what's stopping us from dreaming right now? Because maybe you felt like, personally, you've had something you're struggling with for too long, or you're struggling with right now, that stops you from dreaming. It robs you of your dreams. And whatever it is, I would say as a collective, as an ACR Singles Ministry, if we were to take an honest moment right here, if we were just to keep it real, right? If we look around, the ACR Singles Ministry has kind of been sitting around. We're not doing something big, not because we're not capable, because I look around, I see some of my best friends, I see some of the best dreamers that I get inspired by. But there's something causing us to sit back and wait, rather than to dream right now. But I believe that God desires for us to dream with our eyes wide open. This is our ministry this morning. We got to watch the sunrise, and it was incredible. I don't know if you got to see it. It was beautiful. We saw some dolphins. Anson was freaking out. He's only seen dolphins in the aquarium. You know, he was, he's just so excited to see the dolphins running around. And we're watching these little, uh, what are those things called? Uh, not pelicans, but the uh, seagulls. Thank you. Seagulls flying around. But it was just cool to, to sit with my ministry and just to dream. And I think the thing I loved about that is a lot of times when you're dreaming, you're dreaming with your eyes closed, right? Or, or sorry, praying with your eyes closed. That's usually how we do it. You know, eyes down, head down, eyes closed. But as we're praying, we just got to pray with our eyes wide open. 
looking at the sunrise and seeing our big God and it caused our prayers to be big dream prayers because we see the size of our God. I think right now we got to dream with our eyes wide open. Go ahead and turn over to 2 Kings 6. There's a story in the Old Testament that speaks to the place I think we find ourselves in right now. And it's a story about the servant of Elisha. And I don't have time to read the whole story, but essentially Elisha is in a town and is being chased down because the king of the opposing nation has consistently been told what he's saying to his army leaders by Elisha to the king of Israel. So Elisha basically knows everything he's thinking and saying. And so this guy sends an army to go surround the city that Elisha's in. And we find him in verse 15 with the city surrounded. It reads, if we can get that slide up. I actually don't have a, the, a Bible on me right now. But the scripture's on the slideshow. It's two slides from now. You can skip over. Okay, I'm going to pull it up. Thanks, guys. There we go. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord! What shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots around Elisha. At this point in the situation, this servant of God has been with Elisha for a while now. And he's seen Elisha do some incredible things. Elisha's raised people from the dead. Elisha's been able to, to tell armies of God to send their destruction and confusion into an army's tent. And they all literally just ran away in the middle of the night. This guy's seen this situation happen time and time again. But as his city's surrounded, he's filled with fear based on what he sees. And I think right now it would be easy for Satan to get us to focus on our fear and what is lacking in our singles ministry and to look with eyes based upon that. For the servant, it was the horses and the chariots. He sees the city surrounded by horses and chariots of an army that looks much greater than his. And for us, it might be the feeling of lack of unity in our singles ministries. Or feeling disorganized or just a general confusion. Like, what are we doing in this stage of life? What's our plan? The lack of growth. And feeling like, well, the singles haven't really done anything epic in a while anyways. Or feeling like people are struggling with things and feeling stuck. And I've gotten in there and I've talked to them time and time again. Or I'm that stuck person who doesn't know what to do here. And for this guy, he's filled with fear because his first glance tells him there's no stinking chance against these horses and chariots. But Elisha is unfazed. He's not afraid. And I remember when we, right before we left for Indonesia, actually no, right after we got back from Indonesia, we were collecting our special missions contribution. And you guys, a lot of us grew up in the church. We know special mission comes around every year. And somehow it always manages. We get the goal we set, even if it's freaking out. But we were at $50,000. 
after 49 weeks of collecting money for our special missions. And our goal was 100,000. So you don't have to be a math major to know we were in a pretty bad spot. We had three weeks to collect all the money we had collected in 49 weeks. So I'm freaking out. I'm, I'm going to Will like, there's no way. So some bark because that money affects, you know, my job and what I do in the ministry. And that's important, right? So I'm looking, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what are we going to do? There's, there's no way that this can happen. And the board, our board of the, the directors are talking to Will and asking, like, we got to have a backup plan or something. Like, there's no way our small church comes up with $50,000 in three weeks. And Will's unfazed, just sitting there, like looking with eyes wide open, just like crazy eyes. You know that, that look Will gets if you've seen Will and talked to Will. He's just wild. But he's just sitting there like, it's going to happen. God's going to do it. I just want to see everyone touch the ball. And I was like, first off, what does that mean? Second off, why, why are you so confident in this? Like, I don't get it. And he's like, God is big enough to bring us $50,000. I just want to see us all be a part of the miracle. And I just... It just didn't click in my mind. I'm like, you're crazy. Like, I get it. You're a faithful guy. But sometimes you got to look at, at an honest perspective of what's going on in reality. And I'm like, yeah, 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 God can do it. But God's not the one writing the checks, right? Like, we got these. And I know our church. Like, we're a struggling church. And I don't know if these people want to give. Like, I don't know if they got it in them to give $50,000 in three weeks. But Will was unfazed. And as I looked at him, it was crazy. In that three weeks, God helped us raise $77,000. And we gave $127,000, our biggest special missions contribution yet. And I'm sitting there looking at Will like, dude, what the heck? How did you know? Like, what, what gave you the insight? Like, what were the statistics? What was the app you had to measure that we were going to raise $77,000? Because in my mind, it didn't compute. But Will's faith wasn't in what he saw. And neither was Elisha's. Because Elisha didn't look at the horses and chariots and freak out. He saw God's horses and chariots of fire surrounding the hills and said, they better freak out. And Satan wants us to look at the horses and chariots in our singles ministries, in our places, or our cities that we come from, and he wants us to freak out. But I think it's time for us to dream with eyes wide open and say, Satan, you better start freaking out. Because we're coming for you. Because we got horses and chariots of fire that are on our side. I think that's the perspective our singles need to have. What are you seeing right now? What are you looking at? In your city, in your life? In your singles ministry, are your eyes open to the power of God? Or are they closed and just looking at this world? Are you seeing your singles ministry, even our singles ministry collectively, from eyes of fear? Or are you seeing the armies of God on our side? Because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And I know it doesn't feel like that. I get it. I look at this room. We're like, we don't even pack out the room. Like, we got like two little sections. So how are they more with us than more with them? But God is filling this room. 
Our great God surrounds us. And as we go back home to our cities, I don't care if you're a singles ministry of two people or 2,000. You go back with the armies of God on your side. So let's dream with our eyes wide open. I know for me, my eyes were closed to the fact that the harvest was plentiful for a while. When I was in the campus ministry, I don't know about you guys, I would share, you know, they'd tell me, go share with a thousand in a week. So I go share with a thousand in a week. And I come back and they're like, how many Bible says you got? I'm like, I got like five. And it was just discouraging. Like, I don't know if you felt that, but I felt discouraged by spending hours of my life going out, talking to random strangers, putting myself in those situations, and coming back and only having five people to show for it. Like, it was just discouraging. I don't know if you felt that, but that's how I felt. And it made me feel like there's no way the harvest is plentiful. Like, why do they even keep saying that? Jesus, why'd you say that? It's not what I see. Right? And I came out of campus, and I came in the singles feeling that. Like, one, you've got a campus of like 30,000 people at Virginia Tech. Go Hokies. But then I come to Woodbridge, Virginia. If you ever rolled up to Woodbridge, Virginia, our most popping thing right now is Stonebridge Potomac Town Center, which is the best thing because it's got an Alamo movie theater. Like, that's the highlight of Woodbridge. We got Potomac Mills Mall, an outlet mall that people from all over the world come to. I don't get it. There's outlet malls everywhere. But for me, I just didn't see the harvest was plentiful. It didn't make sense to me coming into Woodbridge, Virginia. But it was crazy. As I walked alongside Will, and like I said, this guy's crazy. And I just like saw his faith as he looked not for people to be open to just saying, yes, I want to study the Bible after a 30-second conversation, but he looked at people with compassion, the way that Jesus did in that passage. It doesn't say that Jesus went up to all those 5,000 people he's looking at, or however many it was, and he went and had 30-second conversation, come back and said, okay, yeah, there's a lot of open people here. He just looks at them, and he knows, because he had compassion on them. And if we really look at the state of people in our cities, they're lonely and broken. If they're dating, they're probably in a terrible relationship in all reality. Whether it's abusive, whether mentally, physically, sexually, there's a lot of bad things going on in relationships right now in the world. There's a lot of things that aren't getting talked about, that they're sitting there and the damage is being done in those relationships. And if they're single, they feel like crap because they feel like, I don't have anyone in this world that loves me. Like, that's the people that you're looking at around you that are single. Even if they're married, like, worldly marriages are the worst things in the world. If you've ever talked to a worldly, a person married in the world that doesn't have Jesus, like, their life sucks. Like, seriously. And then imagine raising kids with that, like, these people are broken and desperate for hope. And if we would just look with eyes wide open, we would see the hurt that the people around us are in. As I started to see people that way, it opened my eyes to the power of God. We got a dream with eyes wide open. Ashley's going to share. Is this working? Is it working? Okay. Hey guys, um, 
Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this specific part of the topic because it means a lot to me. Uh, it's not just this incredible concept that when your eyes are open, you see things that are actually unseen, but it really is God's truth. Uh, which is so important to me. It's actually how I became a Christian, which is what I was hoping to share with you guys tonight. So I grew up very spiritually confused. My family is Jewish, and I was raised going to temple, and I went to Sunday school to learn Hebrew, and I just kind of thought it was something that people participated in. My mom was at home, and she never talked about God, really. It just was never anything that was brought up, and so... I thought that religion was just like a communal thing, but that God certainly was not real because as I looked around, I saw people's lives and what I saw was that they went to school or they went to work and if they went to school, they went to school so that they could make more money, uh, have a higher education and if they went to work, they did it so that they could pay their bills and it was just this like cycle of meaningless nothing. I don't know if any of you guys have ever felt that way, but honestly, without God, it's, it's just kind of like, what are we doing with our lives? And so at a very young age, I was feeling this, and I was watching my family, and I just felt sad for them. And then I saw my Christian friends, and they were the ones that had purpose, right? But they lived guilt-ridden, restricted, weird kind of lives. And so by the time I hit high school, I made it my mission to really, really help people. And the way that I wanted to really, really help people was to show them the truth. And to me, the truth was that life is all about experience. There is no actual solid truth. And so nothing really, really matters but filling up your life with something kind of fun, I guess, while it lasts. And so I started in high school pulling my Christian friends away from their faith. I would question them enough to, to get them to feel like, oh, maybe this faith that I have is really just based on my family. It's nothing solid. And, and I think the more people I saw fall, the more I felt like there's nothing really to this. This is just what people do. It's, it's not sacrificial. It's not real. Um, and so this is just kind of how I was living my life. And then I was reached out to when I was 18 years old. And this is what was so incredible and life-changing is that I was introduced to disciples for the first time in my life. And if you guys have been around the body for even more than a minute, which you have because you've been in this room for an hour now, you know that there is something incredibly special about disciples. There is something so profoundly different about the way that we live than even Christians in the world. We sacrifice for each other. We love each other deeply. I would watch the disciples and they would have conflict and then they would resolve right in front of me. They would just do the most incredible things for each other and they weren't family. And I just thought these are not small-minded people. They're not just sacrificing for sacrifice. They're truly joyful. What is this that I've come across? And I feel like it was that Elisha moment where the chariots of fire were revealed to me, and for the first time, my eyes were opened. They were open to the fact that there could be an actual God, and everything changes when you go from not believing in a God to believing in a God. Everything changes. Your eyes are open. What was your moment like when you remembered that? I think 
now, at this point in my life, I can forget that. I completely forget that at that moment, I realized that there was truth in the world, that people could be really healed in the world, that my life and, and the abuse that I suffered, that I could have forgiveness, that my family, they could be reconciled to one another, that, that there were hope for people that were broken in the world. It just brings everything about when your eyes are open. But now that I've been a Christian for seven years, and it's embarrassing, I forget about it. I forget that my eyes were open. And when my eyes are closed, I'm dreaming about myself. That is what I'm thinking about. I think that the impact is dying out because I look around and I'm like, all right, well, our ICOC, it seems like it's kind of at a standstill. Um, so maybe the, the impact of God is not really as great. Or maybe people just actually need less and less of God. That's not true, but when my eyes are closed, that's what I'm thinking. When my eyes are closed, I'm, I start thinking more about myself. I'm like, okay, I've been a faithful and spiritual woman for seven years. I'm not even close to dating. I start thinking about really small things like, okay, my, I wish my house was better decorated. Um, I, I still really have to consider whether I'm going to buy guacamole at Chipotle. I forget that my life is so much more than these small things. It's about eternity and having an eternal impact. When my eyes are closed, I think about my dad. And I think about how empty he is. And that is so hard. I so badly want my family to become disciples. But when I'm thinking about myself, I completely forget that God even changed my life. I think the odds are they're stacked too high because they are just living a life full of themselves and, and they just don't see God. They don't even see a need for God. It's just not going to happen. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe when your eyes are closed, you've stopped considering that Jesus, who endured a conflict full of suffering for you, Maybe you start feeling tired and weary of doing what is good and what's right. Maybe you're tired of fighting for your purity. Maybe you're tired of fighting for hope that your friends will recognize that your life looks different. Or maybe you're sitting in this room and you're weighing out the cost of the kingdom of God as if it's not enough. You've become critical or you're thinking way more about the speaking than what God is trying to communicate to you. And I know because I've done that, sometimes I'm like, man, that speaker is way too old. I can't even hear him. Or that speaker is really young. What, they could, what, what could they possibly teach me? Or maybe you just haven't been a part of somebody's conversion in a long time and you're starting to lose faith because you forgot what it's like when somebody really responds to the word of God. I don't know what it is for you, but what we're here to tell you is and to remind you is that God has said we have already won. That is the truth. So if our, ours are, if our eyes are closed, we need to reopen them back up. We have won. Those who are for you are more than who are against you. Whether you choose to respond to that or not, it is a reality. So singles ministry, let's dream not under the pretense of what we see or we think can be, but let's dream with our eyes open so that we can actually participate in the things that God has in store for us.
Amen. And as we dream with our eyes wide open, we start to dream with our arms wide open. And if you're thinking what I'm thinking, with arms wide open, right? <laughs> if you roll over to John 17, 11, sorry, I just had like, that was the point, it made sense, and then that song popped in my head, and I like, everyone's gonna think it, right? Can we say it together? With arms wide open. Um, but John 17, 11, it says, I will remain in the world no longer. This is Jesus praying to his Father. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. That was Jesus' prayer for his disciples. His last prayer as he was on earth was that we would be one, that we would be united. And he wanted us not to have the type of unity that was just coming to a conference together. He desired real unity between our ministries, between the body of Christ. Because he knew that Satan was going to attack this very thing. I know for me, this past year has been challenging. One of the biggest things that's been revealed to me, and this is going to sound kind of stupid, but I realized for most of my life, I, all of my life up until this point, I have not thought that I've needed people. And it came out in a conversation with me and Ashley where we had a conflict as single people leading have conflicts and have to resolve them and we just have to fight to love each other and it's great and I'm so grateful to be able to work through conflicts with you Ashley. And she turned to me and she said, it feels like you need, it feels like I need you, but you don't need me. And in my mind I was like, yeah, but right. And, and I, was, I had no idea, like that's super arrogant. Like I, it just like didn't make sense to me that that was a wrong way to think. Because for all of my life, I've just thought, yeah, people need me. I'll give to people. I'll do things for people. But I don't need people. And not only is it arrogant, it's honestly made me pretty lonely. And I apologize to my roommates, but I want to apologize to you who are my friends in this room. A lot of you guys, I've treated as if you're dispensable friends. Because I don't need you, I don't trust myself to you. I don't trust the parts of myself where if you fail me, I'm done. I don't rely on myself because I hate the idea of feeling needy. That sounds gross in my mind. But the scriptures call us to be one with one another. And to dream with our arms wide open. That we would learn the power of needing one another is how we become one. That's what it means to be truly unified. When 1 Corinthians 12, as uh, Paul is describing what the body of Christ says, he says, no member of the body can look at another member and say, I don't need you. So every one of the people in this room, you look at them, you might think, I don't know you, but you need them. Because that's how Jesus created the body. And that's what it's got to look like for us. Our singles ministries, though we're in different cities, though we're led by different people, though we have different visions, we're not separate. We are one. And we were designed to be one body. We have to learn from each other. We have to call each other. We have to pray with each other if we're going to become one. That if one part of the body suffers, if a ministry's having a tough time, we suffer. How have you been viewing this group in this room? The singles of the ACR. 
How have you viewed other singles ministries from other places? Has it been a mindset of comparison? Or has it been one of love? Do you know what's going on in the lives of brothers and sisters in other singles ministries? Do you even know people's names as you look around? Even when we think about who are we sitting next to right now, right? If you look around, we sit next to the people we know. I know, I got five minutes. We're way over time. But just think about what would it look like for us to be one as a singles ministry if we were to truly dream with arms wide open because this is what's going to change the world. This is what's going to help us dream big dreams is if we dream as one. Ashley, go ahead. Thanks. Let me find my spot here. Yeah, uh, so there's a lot of things I wanted to share, but for time's sake, I'm actually going to shorten it. I did want to say, though, I have had a rough couple of weeks, and you might be thinking, okay, time is short, and this is not really the platform to tell us about your problems. Um, But I have the mic, so that works out. Um, Yeah, so honestly, when we were talking about unity, I am just incredibly critical. And I was like, unity, I mean, we're going to talk about meeting more. Are we going to talk about like our ministries just gathering more? Am I in the business of running a dating service for the singles of the ACR? um, I don't, I don't know. Like, why would, why does this really matter? Who cares? Like, who cares if it's not to advance the kingdom of God? And I have just been, like, all over the place defensive, and uh, Logan's going left and I'm going right. Sorry about that. Just, like, completely on the opposite page of everybody else. And as I walked into this conference, God just humbled me. He humbled me because I think I was just able to see and be reminded and remember that when we work together, God's kingdom is unstoppable. It's what showed me God's glory in the first place. How could I forget that? It is so embarrassing what my pride does. But truthfully, I just, I wasn't even in a place to write this lesson. And unity is not my strong suit. And I, like you, have a lot of experiences in life that have taught me a certain thing. So I have family with very high expectations. And that tells me that I need to perform better. I need to look better. I've got to be smarter and, and more sound and, and all of these different things. Um, and I want to read John 17. And I'm going to tell you why I said all that. But John 17, verse 20, it says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. That kind of rhymed, which is cool. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as I have even uh, loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus says that he wants our unification with one another to be as intimate as his unification with the Father. That is insane. That's the plan. Is that Jesus 
and God are as unified as we are with each other so that way the world can know that we are his disciples. He takes this seriously. Romans 12 says that we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So whether you are naturally rebellious and you're disunified like I can be, or maybe you're just really good at this, but you have a bad moment, if you have to be renewed in your mind, you have to be reconciled to this scripture, that Jesus takes it seriously, our unification. It's the plan and it is what works. We, as our singles ministries in the ACR, together, we are a treasure in a field, legitimately. We are a lamp on a stand. We are the light of a very, very dark world. And so we can't afford to be disunified anymore. The Tower of Babel is a powerful story of how unity works. It's a group of people that aren't even working for God's glory, and yet God has to step in and kind of muddy their plans. Could you imagine singles ministry if we work together for God's glory? I want to share practically just two things how we can do that for one another. And the first one is that we can serve one another because that is really, really what true love is. A ministry and, and each of you in this room, you know that you don't care how much somebody knows unless you know how much they care about you. We have to sacrifice for one another. And then the second thing is the why and not the way. Things are not always gonna go our way, directionally. Believe me, I get it, I know. Sometimes we're just like, man, can't the singles do this or that or whatever it is, but there's this old Chinese proverb that says, blessed are the flexible for they won't be bent out of shape. So just know the why and don't stress about the way. If we're unified in our ministry for God's glory, the Tower of Babel will be the least of the things we will do. We will reach heaven in a whole new way. We'll build for the entire world to see, and more importantly, with arms wide open, we'll build for the entire world to join. Amen. Let's dream with our eyes wide open for this lost world. And let's dream with our arms wide open as one as ACR singles. You guys are dismissed. Let's get out of here. Let's let them practice. Have a great day.